Welcome to the White Bikini. Joining me today is my co-host, Nicholas Banton. How are you, Nicholas? I'm great, Marie. It's good to be back with you once again. Yeah, because you've been busy doing stuff. You know how us ballers roll. A deep sigh. Today, Nick and I wanted to do what I'm going to call a spring spring recap. We've talked about a couple different things over the last year. Uh, just follow up on John Fetterman, your fave trash man, and also uh, President Donald Trump and his indictment. How are you feeling about this, Nick? I think we can do this. I think we're going to be able to tease out some interesting details. The one thing I do want to say say is one person we talked about the farmer john a woman of course she's thriving and nothing bad's happening because that's the way we roll the more civilized members of the species amen first i want to talk about john fetterman he returns to work on monday the 17th as we know he's been receiving treatment for major depression at walter reed national military medical center since you know february this is a word i've never heard i do have issues with it i know you will not they're claiming that his depression is now in remission Interesting. I have not heard that word either. I understand that, you know, as someone who's dealt with depression, that you can get it under control. You can learn to function. You can learn to address the stimuli that may trigger you and how to deal with them, whether it's family, finances, friends, relationships, what have you. But that is an interesting concept. I'm not familiar with that word. He will return, as I said, to the Senate on April 17th. His office has stated, in the meantime, Senator Fetterman will spend time with his family and constituents in Pennsylvania. He was quoted as saying, I am so happy to be home. I'm excited to be the father and husband I want to be and the senator Pennsylvania deserves. Pennsylvanians have always had my back and I will always have theirs, Senator Fetterman said in a statement released by his office. I think that's an appropriate statement. However, what we want to say, and I think you and I would both agree on this, is we want to see can he do the job moving forward? How effective will he be? So at this point, yes, I, I think that's an appropriate statement to the press, but we want to see consistency. We want to see whether or not he can handle the the Senate calendar. Can he be there from the day that Congress opens to the day that Congress closes? And can he put forward effective legislation? Can he work with fellow Democrats? Can he work across the aisle with like-minded Republicans? That's, that's what matters to me. From what I recall, you were more concerned about his effectiveness going forward than I was. Do you still feel the same way? I still have my concerns. I'm trying to be a good humanitarian and give him the benefit of the doubt and wish him well. But time is experience has taught me to be concerned, but I will stay optimistic. He was quoted as saying, I'm extremely grateful to the incredible team at Walter Reed. The care they provided changed my life. I have more to say about this soon, but for now, I want everyone to know that depression is treatable and treatment works. I feel like, hey, if you can pay for it, because you're not. And I also remember that was another pressing point for you, which is absolutely fair. Us near mortals don't have access to those resources. Yeah, come on. This isn't about politics right now. There are people who are suffering with depression in red counties and blue counties. If you need help, please get help. What he should have said is, I am very lucky to have the best care through the Senate and in my private life in general. And I know that not everyone has this option. That's it's so elitist to me, his little statement, but so, I'm going to... So is your assessment that the notification is a little tone deaf? Yes! Come on! Who wouldn't want to be in Walter Reed for two months getting serious mental health that you can really reboot and restart your life? Most people I know, they're just scraping through the days. 
They're praying to get to work. They're praying to get through the days. They're praying they have sick time if they get sick, if they're having episodes. No, you're absolutely right. Oh my God, you just agree with me. The world is an unfair place. And when you call out and you identify specific problems, I don't think there's anything wrong with acknowledging the truth. I think perhaps where you and I may differ is the degree to which we can solve the problems, but identifying the problem, absolutely, you're right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump back on Team John Fetterman. I want him to do well, as I want everyone I know that suffers with mental health to do well. And we all know people that go through these episodes, but they're not senators. There are people that work retail jobs. They might be office workers, but I'm gonna stay in a positive frame of mind. Easter and spring is a time for renewal. And I say, John Fetterman, let's get back at it. And I wish him and his family well. I completely agree. I completely agree. I think that's a fair assessment of the Fetterman situation today. All right, we're moving on. Now, we discussed in one of our episodes about Taro Hagler, best known as your favorite trash man, who we love. And it seemed like last fall he was everywhere. The 33-year-old Germantown resident had more than 30,000, and I was one of them, Instagram followers praising his outspoken advocacy regarding the city's pandemic-era trash concerns. He got so much attention and motivated him to run for city council. But now recently, as we have heard, it has been exposed that Terrell's failure to pay two campaign staffers, noting that he raised $26,000 between September 22nd and February. And with the majority of that sum, 17,000 going directly to his personal bank account. That's a problem. As you, as I read more and more on the article in Philadelphia Magazine, he is claiming that since he is a marginalized or maybe lower income person, that he did not understand all of the ins and outs of what was happening. Is it believable? Where I'm, do you stand? I think if you're going to run for city council, if you're going to elevate yourself to that point, you need to do your due diligence and understand Agreed. what you're getting into. Yep, agreed. I think that's that's a really good summation right there. Were there no adults in the room who could help guide his campaign? You know, 33 years old, I know he's got children, I know he's busy, but there seems to be a lack of attention to detail that concerns me. He obviously has stepped away from running, but I was kind of discouraged that he kind of is blaming the system and being poor himself. And I don't I don't know if I don't know if that's a message we want to be sending. He no. should have said I didn't understand. I made some mistakes. I've learned a lot. I don't think he's paid back to people yet. Well, I have a feeling that money might be gone. He's not denying he's, that he, he did, that he screwed yeah. up, but he's this is he's been quoted as saying, but he says his problems aren't as black and white as some people have tried to frame them. I didn't know that you had to be personally rich or have serious job connections in order to run. I assumed early on that everyone was paying themselves out with the money they were raising. I was told by campaign advisors early on that I would need to give my full undivided attention to the campaign. I assumed that doing such maybe not only a candidate, but also and as an employee working for my campaign. Do you buy? What's your impression? No one from my team could tell me if I was wrong or right for doing this. I, I hate to say it, but I think I believe him. I think he perhaps didn't really know better because running for dog catcher can be a full-time endeavor. And clearly he's not a man of means. So from where I stand, I I think it is quite plausible that this man received all this money and he thought to himself, okay, I'm going to pay some bills. I'm going to put some food on the table to feed my kids and I'm going to continue in my campaign, not knowing how the system worked. I, I think it is actually quite plausible coming from his background. Now, granted, the laws are 
very different accord. There's a different set of rules for each candidate running for city and state seats rather than for national office. And of course, this could probably be a whole other podcast. But you know what? I like him. I, I like his message. I like who he is. He's he's a young guy. He's 33 years old. He's growing and developing. And I'd like to see him. I'd like to see him take a minute. He's still on Instagram. He's still focusing on the trash. I think he should do the cleanup of Philadelphia, kind of get his life back in order. And I'd like to see him run for another office in the future. Yeah, I'd love to see that. I, I think the message that he brings, the advocacy, that local advocacy that we all talk about, how are you going to change the immediate environment around you? Yep. That matters. And I think to lose him or at least lose someone like him under these circumstances to withdraw from public service and public advocacy, I think would be a disservice to the community and a disservice to him because I think he does have the potential. I think he has the charm. I think he has the intentions to do well. I see this as a um, unfortunate setback, but perhaps an opportunity for a reset that may relaunch him a little bit more sober, uh, a bit wiser for the next chapter of his life. I mean, from where I am now, 33 is young. If I was judged from every mistake I made at 33 or a couple years after, I would have never had a, a second chance. To be fair, wealthy people are held to account to a different standard. Were he a wealthy person? It's a situation where he simply would just go to the bank and pay back his campaign or get his wealthy partner or wealthy donor or wealthy parents to repay the campaign and he would still remain in there. So we also have to look at this problem through the lens of class because I think you and I are mostly in agreement. This wasn't a criminal intent. No. His actions were not motivated by criminal intent. It was sort of naive neglect. And again, compared to John Fetterman, he's just scrapping together. He's got three kids. He's running around. Senator Fetterman has people watching his bank accounts. He has a cushion. He doesn't have to worry about who's feeding his kids, who's doing this. It's a very different vibe. And I that's what's so discouraging. And that's I think that's why so many people get out of running, because you can't keep the lights on and also do all this stuff. It's very, very difficult. Agreed. I think it is a unique challenge to be running for public office and also be poor. And I think some that's some of my problem with Fetterman is just knowing that his dad bankrolled all of his life just pisses me off because I wish I had a father that did it for me. So there I said it. I'm a terrible, I'm no, a terrible not, person. Listen, I think there is a, there's a prize to be gained from honesty and sometimes it reveals insights into why we function or sometimes we, why we have dysfunction in our lives because we just fail to admit the honesty of our lives. So I, I think you should take credit for that. Whatever. Tell me how you really feel. Donald Trump. I don't even know what, what to about say. Donald. What about Donald Trump? What about my favorite president of all time in the history of forever? I have very, I am not a Trump advocate. I think the Donald Trump I grew up with was the Donald Trump and only a particular generation has these memories. Donald Trump for a brief hot minute was the man in the early 1980s. He was brash. He was wearing suspenders. He dressed well. He had a beautiful family. He was that post-World War II, America's going to kick ass and not take any names, on and on. And I bought into all of it in the very early 80s. I think he kind of captured a little bit that Gordon Gecko, the character from Wall Street that's famous for saying greed is good. That's what we were taught to believe. The bigger, the better in the 1980s. The music, the clubs, the partying, everything was the bigger, the better. You know, the art of the deal. I knew people that read the book. So that's the Donald Trump that I kind of understand. But the person he's become and who he's morphed into, I think is a monster. And I think some of it 
is a cognitive decline. And I still say it for Joe Biden. They're that same generation of white men that were always taught to always be fighting and always be very, very competitive. And it's a big turnoff to me. Why? It's not authentic. It's not healing. I don't like it. And I think pre-pandemic, it might have been like, eh, you know, okay. But we are what I consider to be in such a catastrophic decline as one of the greatest nations in the world. And I do blame both of them. I am not a Joe Biden fan, but getting back to Trump, I personally, this is me personally, I just want him to go away. I don't think stirring all of this up helps anyone. I don't think from a global, not a United States perspective, that it's good to indict someone that was a president. It's never happened in our history. And there's a reason we look weak and we look messy and it just upsets me. So you think for the, my words, not yours, for the sake of saving face on the international stage, we should look the other way on Trump. What about the election meddling investigation? Let's look at what's going on in Atlanta, where he literally calls up the governor and orders him, find me essentially 11,000 votes so that I can win the state of Georgia. I'm looking at it, and I can't believe I'm saying this because it's not probably the best thing to say from a global perspective. I think we look chaotic and we look weak. So I think it's concerning. I think we're kidding ourselves if it didn't happen in every presidency. But the difference from you and I've talked about this by the mid 2000s, you really had to be more discreet in how you were behaving due to social media, people taping you. My concern now is globally. I personally would not. I don't think it's the strongest case and I don't think it's good to indict a former president. I have respect for the office, but not for the man. Is that fair? So, And this applies to the Georgia case as well, right? I hate to say it, but yes. And don't I, hate. I think you and I disagree on that. I think so much has happened to corrupt what we call American democracy that these things only metastasize. We want people to realize, we want candidates to re- realize, we want presidents to realize you don't do this stuff. You I just agree. Don't. But so then I'm going to, I'm going to kind of make an amendment. Then only focus on that. I don't care about the porn star. I really don't. Focus on that and I'll go along with that. Okay. And, and I won't I won't belabor the point much further, but so crime for which his attorney went to jail in which he was actor number one in, I guess, the deposition. You don't believe that Donald Trump should be held accountable for that or the political prestige on the international stage of the United States. I can't believe I'm going to say this because I dislike Donald Trump, but yes. Okay. All right. Listen, at the end of the day, I mean, these conversations are it's about cards on the table and on heart. I want to commend you for your honesty. Yeah, the only thing that concerns me, though, also is he's still running for president. So I'd like to see them make a deal with him that will make you go away, but you have to step back from running again. Well, so, I think, go ahead. Sorry. I have an amendment. They need to make everything go away only with the understanding that Donald Trump goes away forever. How's that? He cannot run for office. He needs to take a seat. He needs to stay in Mar-a-Lago with the wife. He's paying good money to stay married. He needs to go away, drop the charges. He needs to go away. And that's the end of it. Do you think that's a further corruption of the system? Oh, yeah, totally. Where does this end then? You know what? I don't know, because I guess it's kind of like what you and I've talked about is, you know, I'm part of me still that girl, like, you know, like the, the, as I said, I go back to, you know, Trump and Gordon Gecko. We were so proud. You know, I love to be America where at least I know I'm free. I bought into all of that. And as kind of the layers are unpeeled. It's so 
hurts me how corrupt we really are. And I'm sure when I was in my 20s, I didn't really care, but I did really care about, I always go back to Iran-Contra was the turning point in my understanding of America. It wasn't Watergate, I was too young. So who are we really kidding? This has been happening for decades. You want to tell the story behind the revelation surrounding the uh, hostage crisis and actually even before before the Iran-Contra scandal, but the hostage crisis, have you been following the, the latest update, which is something I'd heard, but apparently this man made a deathbed confession. Yeah, that Ronald Reagan told him not to let them go and waited until he was president, correct? Told the Ayatollah in Iran yeah. to hold the American hostages until after the election to prop up his campaign for presidency. I, I mean, listen, I, you and I both agree we're not huge Trump fans, but that is a huge huge indictment. I think that's worse than paying off a porn star and trying to catch and kill a bunch of embarrassing stories. And you know, you look back now, you're a little too young, but not in some some cases not. Remember Jimmy Carter hated all the presidents? Now we know why. And I think that's perhaps why Jimmy Carter, well, I mean, stagflation and a bad economy will kill just about anybody's campaign. But you now you realize why he was an outsider and yeah. why after his campaign, he just kind of disappeared back to his farm and started building uh, Habitat for humanity and started focusing on direct action. It's a dirty game. It is a dirty game. And I think we're happy when our team wins. However way we define our team, when USA beats Russia in Olympic hockey or when the Soviet Union collapses in the early 1990s and we win and they lose, we see it in very black and white terms, but we don't want to see how the sausage is made. What's the line? You can't handle the truth. Is that where we are, Marie? Is that where we're, where our system functions? functions through dysfunction. But as long as we get to go to Walmart and buy cheap furniture, that we're happy. Is that is that where America is? Well, I think we're living in five different Americas. I think you have people that are 55, 60 and over that are still living for the Ronald Reagan era when the truth is, and I've talked to people, not a lot, but like uh, a guy I grew up with especially, and I mean, went to high school with, we somehow we got on the subject of Jimmy Carter and he goes, he was the weakest president that ever lived. And I thought it's so interesting that a white American male is saying that because that's how Jimmy Carter was seen at the time that he was he was weak but the truth is is he was probably one of the most civil peaceful presidents we've ever known what does that say about us as the American people nothing I like and maybe that's the biggest problem you know to be fair I'm not convinced that I am right I'm, I'm having these discussions because I, I have these these ideas and these thoughts but is Donald Trump simply a reflection of the American people is Donald Trump the mirror and we're actually seeing ourselves because we birthed Donald Trump. Donald Trump is a product of America. And in some ways, he is is an extreme example of who we really are. And we don't like to see that. And what does that say about us? I think the truth is, is that's what I don't like, is that I am seeing the truth of a country that I thrived in, believed in, and didn't understand what was happening. And you know what? That's a good quote, because one of the best quotes is from A Few Good Men when he says, I have neither the time nor inclination to explain myself to a man who rises and sleeps under the blanket of the very freedom that I provide and then questions the manner in which I provide it. So who's it's, the fool? 
Who's the fool? Is it the fool? Is it the fool's fault for not knowing he's a fool? Or is it the fool's fault or for being told that he his life is a lie? but he chooses not to believe it. I don't know. Because I know now that, and I, you know, I have a memory of the hostage situation. Um, it was a big deal. It started Nightline. Every night it was on at 11 o'clock. It went on. It was, and then when it came out, I, and I remember I was very young, but I thought that's so weird. Like, God, what did, like, how strange is it that Ronald Reagan was able to yeah. get them out and not Jimmy Carter? And what's it, 40 years later? I don't have the answer, but what I do think is on the other side is more um, really being able to live in a much more truthful and honest, not going to be perfect, but I do think that people that are, you know, I'm going to say like under 45, they can bring us to a different level of understanding. As I said, not everything's going to be perfect, but I think that generation of the Gordon Geckos that I grew up with, those were the men that I worked for in the 80s. That's who was running these businesses and speaking of which this whole crazy thing about these that young kid that dropped all those papers online mm-hmm. oh yeah that, the uh, national guardsman that uh, i guess yeah. is implicated in the leak of national defense files that's because in the last 15 years there's been a generation of men that have been running the services these companies that are still of that oh you know what that internet thing's never going to work out and 15 years go on and they're still running these companies without the understanding of the world has moved on from them and now everything's just kind of getting torn down that's very concerning so you think this is just a matter of like a kid gaining access to information to which he is not entitled and there are no protocols in place to prevent the dissemination of that information. I don't think it's that easy, but I do think the generation of, I hate to bash the generation I grew up with, there was a lot of, there's a lot of good men. They did not have to pay attention because someone else was doing everything for them, whether it was the home care. These men all stayed married, most of them. Someone was cleaning their houses, making their meals. They just kind of golfed and did what they wanted to do. Well, a lot slipped by these guys. And now now this country, this society, these businesses, we're all trying to play catch up. And then we hit a pandemic and now we're under a tidal wave that I think is going to take a good decade to get out of. A decade? I'm thinking it's more of a generation. Well, I'm trying to be positive so I don't get depressed today. <laughs> Tomorrow's another day. Um, so I guess if you had to summate our talking points for today, where, where do we stand with these guys? Where do we stand with Trump? Where do we stand with Spider-Man? Where do we stand with your favorite trash man? And what does it say about the future for the city of Philadelphia and, and for the country and for America's standing in the world? Trump, go away. Make him go away, literally, in terms of we'll make you go away. We'll drop these charges. I don't think it's the best thing. But I think elevating him is another whole conversation. And he is currently running for president. So and when, if, you say, and when you say elevating him, you mean making him a martyr. Correct. Okay. I can't stand Donald Trump. John Fetterman, I'm choosing to live in an optimistic space regarding him. I have a lot of concerns past you know, past his stroke and past his depression, I don't think he has the fire in him to do the work. I don't like his chill hoodie wear and tattooed whole thing. I don't like that vibe. I want someone with a little hustle. He's not hungry. He's so not. Hu- what about my argument from the previous podcast where I essentially said, even if he's not effective, the fact that he's there, he's a placeholder 
is a is a brick in the wall against encroaching crypto fascism. Well, I've had a few weeks since you've been busy doing other things to think about it, and I'm going to agree with you. Let let them stay there. Okay, okay. Like I said, most of my arguments, I always leave room for. Could I be wrong? Convince me. Make the argument to point out the flaws in my reasoning. And from where I stand, you and I both agree. You and I both agree that in many ways, America, American culture is on the precipice of something perhaps dark and disastrous. We're on the decline. I mean, it's only a matter of time before China becomes the most relevant nation on the planet. We will become, in some ways, Russia, an old dying empire with lots of scary nuclear weapons. But that's kind of it in terms of prestige and and international relevance. This is not going to happen tomorrow. It's not going to happen in 10 years. This is going to be a, a slow burn or a slow burn down, if you will. But China will become the preeminent and most dominant nation on the planet with the greatest social influence, which is kind of scary when we're talking about a essentially a totalitarian system. But I digress. Yeah. And I guess you know, so I guess some of my sadness is, you know, p- part of it's just sadness about the pandemic. It's but it's also sadness of a truth that's no longer a reality. And I'm sad for the country, for my generation and not, you know, just kind of that sadness of everything you believe in to be torn down in front of you. It just makes you sad. You know, what? I know this is not something that we plan on talking about, but in some ways, this is kind of what's happening with what's going on in these red states. Why there's so much anger, because everything that they believe in is being torn down. Father knows best. The South had a point, you know, in terms of the civil war. You know, this whole states rights thing, maybe they didn't really own that many slaves. It wasn't that bad. Slavery was just a kind of, it's just work, right? In, in so many ways, the myths, the lies that our previous generations, the older generation, the generation that I guess you and I would both agree are leaving the stage of prominence in terms of uh, economic and political relevance, the lies that they were told and then having that being revealed to the next generation, it's, it's jarring. It's very uncomfortable. It's unpleasant. And I think that's one of the reasons why so many people are so angry. I wish I was angry. Angry, I can live. Yeah, I can live in angry. Angry's my friend. I don't like being sad. And I'm sad for what's happening in society, the country, even, you know, you and I speak privately. The truths I thought in our family life, so many things, you know, that you believed in just kind of weren't, you know, what I was seeing wasn't what was happening at all, to quote the great Jack Brown. Well, what does that say about us, though? I keep coming back to come back to that point. Why do we keep falling for the fairy tales? Whether it was a fairy tale of Reagan, you know, father knows best coming in, saving us from the weird little guy in the White House. Let's face it, Carter was right. We should have put solar panels on the White House, but we, we wanted to believe in the myths. This is a discussion for another day, but hopefully maybe we can have a podcast on why Americans, why human beings prefer the lies, prefer the myths over the hard truths and why we remain as a people, as a race of human beings, because I don't think America has a monopoly on these problems. Why is it that we choose to remain in the matrix? I'd love to have that discussion one day. You know, I think that that's really good. And it's sad because it's it's kind of like we aren't the greatest country anymore. I remember 
in high school, Great Britain, it, they they reached their peak by the time Margaret Thatcher took over. There was like a the polish was kind of gone. It, the, you know what it is? The magic is gone. And it's just sad for me to see what I I'm sad for myself, what I believed personally, you know, from all these different standpoints. And it's kind of like we are facing, whether it be in our private lives, in our social lives, there's like a reckoning. We were all kind of like living a lie. Let's do this. Let's have this conversation. Let's have this conversation in another podcast because I think it's worth having. But as yeah, for today, tell us who our sponsors are. Right. Oh, our favorite sponsor. This week, as you know, the Sixers are in the playoffs and the, Phillies, and the Phillies are back in full swing. That was a cute pun. Please stop by the Springfield Ale House in Delco and enjoy the games and the best food and drinks in Delaware County. It is family owned, full disclosure. They're right in Springfield Shopping Center in Springfield. So please tr- stop by. Their hours in the summer are going to change a little because, you know, the sports kind of slow down. Have you stopped by and had a drink yet? I had a drink last weekend. Was Kelly there? Was she? <laughs> 773 West Sprawl Road. You can go follow them on Instagram, on Facebook. But you know what? They prefer you call, stop by, check in with them. Again, Springfield L House in Delco. Delco Strong, because I just got my library card, so I think I'm cool. 484-472-6742. Please ask for Kelly. You can also go to the website. They have their full menu up. They have the best drinks and the best apps in Delaware County. And Nick, just acknowledge you live in Delaware County. Uh. Why? Is your library card Lower Marion or Delaware County? Oh my God, it's Delaware County! No, it's Lower Marion, actually. Why? Because I I had a library card in Lower Marion and I just renewed it, so... I'm not, I'm not associated with the likes of your people. Delco Strong. And I'm looking at their menu right now. I, the best is the alehouse fries, white creamy cheddar cheese or Old Bay style. Sounds yummy. Soup and salad. Please stop by for lunch. Caesar salad with house. You know, I like this homemade meatballs. Classic sandwiches. You would like this, Nick. Black bean burger. Honey teriyaki chicken skewers. Please stop by again. Springfield alehouse Delco, 773 West Sprawl Road, Springfield, Pennsylvania. Hours change. But today they're open from 1130 till 12 today. Kitchen hours are 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. Phone number is 484-472-6742. You can drop them a line. They'll answer any of your chat and please follow them on Instagram. And speaking of that, please remember to subscribe to The White Bikini on all of your favorite podcast services and visit us on Instagram on The White Bikini. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah. Um.